Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome back to a Friday schmooze during school. I know it's not really the way we designed. It's been a Zoom week, and uh, again, for that, a full Zoom week. Uh, for that, again, you deserve a lot of credit. We appreciate that. Uh, you've been able to join us, and hopefully, despite the challenges, you've been able to uh, learn and gain, and hopefully we do look forward to having you back in camp for a half-day starting on Monday. You know, Parshas B'Shalach, clearly everyone, you know, so easily focuses on the Oz Yashir, in a sense, the highlight of the Parsha. It's certainly a very big deal, can't deny that. But just, I just think just as a general overview of the Parsha, there's an incredible ongoing state of flux within the Jewish people. I think it's so reflective of who we are as a people, and maybe it's not necessarily a good thing, because obviously what Akash Baruch Hu wants from us is consistency and to keep it on a high level on a regular basis. But just, you know, uh, the Mepharshim say to us that the entire Tzias Mitzrayim, the entire process of what, what is going on here, is, our, is a constant message to us about the way things are throughout history. That what happened in Tzias Mitzrayim, the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu related to us, what we went through, the trials and tribulations, the messages of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's miracles were all part of a process to let us know this is life. What is happening now is a training uh, area and, and a springboard to understanding the way things are uh, throughout Jewish history. So just for an example, the idea that we would have to go out every single day for the month and HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a system that we did not know what tomorrow was going to bring. We didn't have the, the uh, cupboards full for tomorrow's breakfast and tomorrow's dinner. Or maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have done it a week, a week at a time, a month at a time, not have us every single day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was training us with this whole process of the man to, to let us know that's life. That in life, really what is going on every single day is we, we need to connect HaKadosh Baruch Hu and while we might appear to have the food ready, we have a freezer full of stuff that we just got delivered from a shipment, and we got a you know a half of a, a steer sitting in our freezer, so we're good for no, we're not good. The way the God, the word, the world really runs with Hakadosh Baruch Hu is that we have to rely on Hakadosh Baruch Hu every single day to take care of us. And the message of the man was that message that we have to take with us that while maybe we appear to have the food, our bank account seems to be okay. And our cupboards are full, but we have to turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu every single day because that cupboard could be, in a second, could be bare. And in a second, could be full. It's up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the man trained us into that mid of bitachon, the tron, the man, those 40 years of, of going through the midbar and having to walk out every single day, which started in this week's parsha. It started right here. The man started in parsha's b'shalach. So when you, in a sense, take a look at the parsha and you sort of see the ups and downs, it's really a message again for us that despite the ups and downs, that's our nature in terms of our, of our relation with our Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's the way sometimes it's going to be. Is it the best way? Is it, is it the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it? No. But certainly the message is despite the, the downs, the ups could be right around the corner. And don't get discouraged. Don't get down. Don't think for a second that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't bring that Yeshua literally in a, in a matter of seconds. Let's just sort of look at, look at this, uh, you know, quickly in a number of different situations. So the Jews, 
They go out of Mitzrayim. Bishalach Paro, he sends them out. So what happens? So they go, everything is Gavaldic. They can really get territory relatively quickly. Which way do they go? They don't go. Derech Eretz Plishtim. He takes them a different way. And then he says, in Perak Yudalit, in the second Pasuk, Darbel B'nei Yisrael v'yashuvu. V'yashuvu? V'yachno api achiros b'migdol b'nayom? So you, we're going backwards? Moshe Bede, we'll go, this is what you want us to do now? You want us to go back towards Mitzrayim? Is that really the, the, the right method? Is that really, does that really make sense? And they do it. And they follow and Rashi says right right on the spot, he says, that it's to tell you the praise for the Jewish people. And here they were. They just left. And they're looking to escape their oppressors. They're looking to get away from Mitzrayim. And the natural response would have been, we're not going backwards, Moshe. Well, what are you? Your, your ways got all messed up here? Or you lost your map? I mean, what are they going backwards? They didn't start talking back. They didn't start uh, clamoring and complaining. They turned back. If I'm, he says, Lanu, all we have are the words of Ben Amram. Moshe Rabbeinu are the only words that, that, are, that are relevant for us. And therefore, that's what we're going to do. So, so Rashi right away tells us that at this moment, they achieved a very high level. They were in a place where, uh, rarefied air, where here you, uh, naturally you'd say, what are you doing? And they didn't do that. Did it last for a very long time? Did it last all the way to, the, to Kriyas Yamsuf? Not quite. Didn't last that long. There are, there were, there was more tension. The Matrium came after them. And they came close. And right away, okay, so again, they could have kept quiet, they could have been strong. Didn't work exactly that way. Some Jews doesn't mean, when we talk about Jews making mistakes, doesn't mean all the Jews did, but enough of them for the Torah to, to record it. What, they're not enough, enough graves in Mitzrayim that you brought us out here to die here, Moshe Beno, not, not very respectful words, tough words. But this is what Kai Israel did because somehow they couldn't, they couldn't keep that high level. They couldn't muster that, that bitachon on a consistent basis. So they said something very not nice. Just a few, a few seconds later. Literally, as you read, just you literally write the next step really comes in where now they're about to, literally, it's all gonna come together. The Mitzrayim are right there. The, the water's right there. The Jews are on the middle. What are we gonna do? What are you, what are you calling out to me for? And the Sephora, unlike Rashi, has an incredible pshat. We were Zoha for many, many years. We used to have the, this incredible, wonderful Tamachachim, a beloved, beloved Jew in our community, even though he lived in Cleveland his whole life. But Rabbi Zalka Gortz, that's all. Very, very, very special person. I remember coming here and speaking with such passion about this Sephora and telling us a, an incredible insight and vision of the way we have to look at Klai Yisrael. And, and they just said these words. So when, when Hashem says to Moshe, Beinu, and Rashi says, now is not the time for prayer, now is the time to move, let's go, get him into that water, let's get going. Sephora says, no, that's not what Hashem said to Moshe, Beinu. Hashem says to Moshe, Beinu, Moshe, Eloi. do I hear a sense of bitterness in your voice? And, and the Sephora explains that Moshe, Beinu, said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, excuse me, do I understand what you're telling me? You're telling me to tell these Jews to move? 
You're telling me that Asi is used to go into the into the Yamsuf to just go? Is does that really make sense? I mean, they just told me just a few psukim ago, are there not enough graves in Mitzrayim that you brought me out to the Yamsuf to, uh, out here to die in the desert? That, that's what they said to me. Now you're telling me to let them, to tell them to go? They're not going to listen. How are they going to listen to me? And to though, to that emotional response of Moshe Benu, to the, to the message, tell them to move, Hashem says, Matatakeloi. And the Sephora uses incredible words. He says, Moshe, you've been choshet b'ksherim. Choshet b'ksherim. What does that mean, choshet b'ksherim? It's an expression that's used when you accuse the innocent of, of doing something. Right? Uh, isn't, it's a student's great moment when the teacher accuses a particular student of making trouble or doing something wrong. And, hey, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, Rabbi. It was somebody else. Right? Puts a smile on the guy. Huh, this, it's all great when I can vindicate myself. You got the wrong guy. Choshet b'ksherim? You're telling Moshe Beno that him accusing the Jewish people of not wanting to follow is being choshet b'ksherim? Akash Baruch Hu saying to us, yes, you're being choshet b'ksherim. Because I don't care what this Jew did yesterday. There's a first opening up our eyes to something so important about how we have to look at another Jew. And maybe more importantly, how we have to, how we have to look at ourselves. It's not important what you did yesterday. Yeah, you'll deal with yesterday, yesterday. Should the Jews have said, should the Jews have said that there are not enough graves here in, in, in Egypt that you brought us out here? It wasn't a nice thing to say. Did it reflect the lack of bitachon? Certainly. But does that mean today this Jew can't rise to the highest levels? Does this mean that he can't be amazing? And sure enough, and sure enough, you bring Choshebik Sherem, Moshe said, go, they went and they followed. The very same nation who said, the very same nation that complained moments ago are ready to go in. They're just ready to go in. We know Nachshem and Aminadav led the way. He walked into the water and he pushed himself to the limit again. An incredible message. That even when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to perform a miracle, he doesn't just do it like, like okay, a miracle. Even miracles have requirements, Rabbi say. Even miracles that's why Kodesh Baruch Hu chose, I've said it many times, he chose this easterly wind, a strong easterly wind with a, who knows, and it might have, it might have, it might have appeared like the ridiculous scientists say with a tsunami, with an earthquake, and with a lunar and a solar eclipse, and who knows what was going on. Yeah, there might have been some, a lot of, a lot of meteorological, uh, 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 phenomenons that took place. That might have caused it all to happen, the strong wind, who knows what kind of volcanic or, or, or tornado. I mean, it's not a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Of course it's a Kodesh Baruch Hu, but a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants us to see him in the miracle. He wants us not to fall into that trap like the scientists fall into, how they write, they write these articles, and you can Google them, you can see it yourself. It's not necessary for God to have intervened for the Jews to have escaped Egypt. The Jews could have, co- could have crossed the, the, the Sea of Reeds through natural phenomena. And this is a guy with an IQ above 100. He's writing this article. So just when the Jews wanted to escape, and just when they crossed the sea and the Egyptians said, ah, this amazing scientific phenomenon that has nothing to do with God, just happened to work out for the Jewish people just when they wanted to escape. What an incredible coincidence. And that's how people actually live their lives. Everything's a big coincidence. Everything's a big accident. There's no, there's no divine intervention. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is teaching us, I need your, even in miracles, I need your involvement. I need you to see it. Because I make miracles for you. I don't make miracles for me. I make miracles for you to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, For you to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, For you to understand how, how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us and cares for us. 
So I also, but I also need you to be involved in that miracle. The miracle of Kriyas Samsov required Nachshon ben Amindadav and the rest of the Jewish people to go in with their heads underneath the water. Didn't, it didn't split when it hit the knee. It didn't hit when it split the, when it hit the, it didn't split when it hit the waist. It, it split when we were already in. Well, we were going and there was no place to go and no, no water, no air to breathe. Oh, you did yours? Now, now I make the miracle. And even after having gone through that miracle and after, after having said, Az Yashir, what an incredible, beautiful song. With Shema Shiv Chalayam, to the extent what the Jewish people saw during that time, they, what they saw was, was what even Yechezkel ben Buzi, the, even the, this, the, the mean, most menial maidservant saw more than what the great Yechezkel saw in, in an entire lifetime, and more than all, than all the prophets saw. So they, they saw so much, and they were so elevated, and they sang such an incredibly uplifting, beautiful song. Does it mean that, okay, we're set? <laughs> Again, we gotta keep working. We gotta keep pushing, because Soon after, there's no water. We need water. Moshe Beinu with the water. Calm down. You're not, you got to know what to ask. Again, a little inappropriate. They get water. And so right away you see that it doesn't mean if, you don't, if you're not careful and you don't work on yourself and you keep things focused, you can right away, you can slip up. Before you know it, then you got the mun. And even with the mun, there was ups and downs. They had the mun, which means that they were so worthy of this incredible miracle. But Shabbos came. And they went out. Not all of them. Some of them went out on Shabbos. Didn't Moshe say don't go out on Shabbos? They went out on Shabbos. Up and down and up and down. And then finally the parsha ends with all these ups and downs. Where, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very disappointed. Didn't I tell you not to, not to go out on Shabbos? That you're going to get double on Friday and that's why you got double so you don't have to go out on, on Shabbos? But yet, Betochen still wasn't entrenched. It wasn't fully there. And then it ends on a high note. Doesn't say that way, not forever. Certainly Yisro has some incredible moments as well. But we know from the entire 40 years, ups and downs and ups and downs. And the message is that we're going to have our ups and downs. It's going to happen. Should it happen? <laughs> Better not to happen. Better we should be smooth and be that Moshe Rabbeinu and be that consistent rock and that consistent giant every single moment of our lives to always be there ready to, to answer the call of Tachodesh Baruch but in case we're not, in case we have those ups and downs like the Torah reflects throughout this, this incredible journey of these 40 years, as, as the, uh, the parsha ends with, with uh, Moshe sending out Yeshua to attack Amalek and they defeat Amalek, and the message is very strong, the message is very clear, Baruch Hashem, they once again, they, they left the weakness of their disconnection to Torah and they were able to emerge uh, on a high level, and they're able to beat Amalek, these are all messages that we have to keep at it. We can't get discouraged. And we can't be choshe b'kshem. We can't say those words, well, I messed up yesterday, I'm going to mess up again tomorrow. I did this wrong, or this, you know, and I, you hear it, you hear it, Nebuch, from even, even people who should know better. Ah, that kid, I, I say it a lot. I'll never forget those words. Sir Mechanach told me, this man now, this wonderful man, has a wonderful family, very successful individual from person, beautiful family, Torah mitzvos, but I, I'll never forget it. I, we took him, I think he came to us in 10th or 11th grade, going back now about 25, maybe even more than 25 years. I, the words of, of this person who says, you're taking him? You'll never see nachas from him. These are words. You'll never see nachas from him. I, don't, I wonder if he's, you know, still remembers those words. I, I'll never forget him. You can tell me 
about a 16-year-old kid, I'll never see nachas from him. I don't care what he did. I don't care how much misery he gave you. I'll never see nachas from this kid. I'd love to. I don't remember his name anymore. I'd love to look him up and say, you know, by the way, 25 years later, look at the non-nachas that we're getting from this wonderful Balabas on the East Coast who's raising an incredible family and he's doing a lot for Klai Israel. No nachas. Why? Because you assume because of what he did at 13, 14, and 15, that's going to reflect on the rest of his life? Well, what is that? And that's the message here, Rabbi Isai. Our job, so many profound indicators of, of how Kaddish Baruch Hu relates to us. The idea of that pitachon that we have to develop, and that reliance on our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that even when we see a miracle, our job is to do everything we can. The miracle only happens when you push it to the limit. And I'll tell you an amazing story, just to sort of very... <laughs> one of these incredible stories that you just left shaking your head. But it's a story about a 16-year-old boy. Yitzchak Slutsky is his name. And this was during the Holocaust. And Yitzchak Slutsky runs into a Gestapo Nazi office where as he was looking for food in the morning, as many of the Jews who were able to Baruch Hashem escaped the concentration camps. They just hit out in different homes, different countrysides. Many Jews who were able to uh, live that way and survive the war. As he was looking for food that morning, the Nazis came in the house where he was keeping his sister. He promised his parents that he will take care of his younger sister. He went out to look for food. By the time he came back, the Nazis took the younger sister and they're holding her in the Gestapo headquarters there nearby. And he runs in. He does the impossible. He did what Nachshon did. I mean, what are you doing? You're walking into water? There's no place. You can't breathe. What are you doing? You wait for the miracle. No, no, you don't wait for the miracle. You make the miracle happen. You show a Kodesh Baruch, you're going to push it to the limit. And that's when you see Yeshua's for the Chamos, and we need them, Rabbi said, but we need to know that they will come when we, we push ourselves to the limit. We have to invest in those miracles. We have to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we believe in them. And he opened up those doors to that office, and you would say, immediate suicide. What are you doing? Yitzchak Slutsky, what are you doing? He ran into the office, and he screams, I want my sister back, I want my sister back. You'd say, how many seconds does he have left to breathe? This man is, this young boy is a, is a dead man. And right away, the Nazis all have their guns looking, we're ready to shoot, and the commandant says, no, no, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come here. He calls Yitzchak Sassifur, he says, um, oh, you want your sister? <laughs> With, you can imagine the smile that he had on his face. You want your sister? No problem. If you can show me hair growing on the palm of your hands, I'll give you your sister. And Yisrael says, can you repeat that, please? I said, you heard me, if hair is growing in the palm of your hands, I will give you your sister back. And Yisrael goes like this, and opens up his hands. And sure enough, there's hair growing in the palm of his hands, which the Nazis, Yemachshimam, meant you're the devil. And they were, they were paralyzed with fear, they gave him his sister. He ran out to tell the story for many, many years after the war. And the backstory, of course, is that at seven years old, Yitzhak Slutsky put his hand into his father who owned the bakery, put it into the mixer. The mixer scraped his entire palm. 
They went to the hospital, and the people there were not very astute in terms of uh, uh, surgeries and dermatology and all the skin grafts. And they put on, they took part of, they took part of somebody's skin, part of, and with, with the hair on, and they grafted onto his hand. And I'm sure between seven and sixteen, Yitzchak Slutsky was sort of wondering, like, why did Kodesh Baruch Hu do this to me? Why did this happen? And Kodesh Baruch Hu was saying to us, and he was saying to Yitzchak Slutsky, you don't know. And this amazing event that took place at 7 is not going to save your life at 16. Could HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved his life different ways? Absolutely. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have taken us out of Mitzrayim without going through the Amsuf. He does and orchestrates these incredible events for us to know how he operates and how we have to operate. And Yisrael Shosti didn't get a sister back until he ran into that office and did the impossible and said, I want my sister back looking at the eyes of a Nazi commandant. That's put it, pushing it to the limit. That's walking to the Kriyas Yamsuf. That's understanding our relationship with our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that's understanding that when you do what you can do, Kaddish Baruch Hu takes care of the rest. That's the message of the Mun. And the message, of course, is that even though things didn't work out yesterday, and maybe I messed up, and maybe it didn't, my, my situation looks very, very challenging. Today's a new day, and tomorrow could be a whole new world, Rabbi Say. So let's take these powerful messages. Let's learn exactly how we have to work in our own world, in our lives, to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu our connection to Him and our reliance on Him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu certainly sends us these amazing Hashkacha Prata situations to remind us, you push on your end, I will make it happen on my end. Bez Hashem, let's keep pushing, let's keep going, let's keep growing. And that's Chus Wagomi Chayel Chayel and Bizach Bez Hashem to be a Samashech Mehevi Menuch.